Thank God for his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him, any believers in here? Any believers watching online? Uh, you don't, you know, it's, that's, I have beliefs. I just don't believe it's a random chaotic universe. I do believe God has a plan. I don't believe there are 50 million options. I do believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know that he uh, suffered and died so we could have eternal life. Listen, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is the last installment of the series I've been on in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And I've been teaching a series on love. And we're going to go through verse 4 through 8. But actually, it's only 13 verses in the whole chapter. And it starts out with something pretty compelling. It says, if we, if we speak with the tongues of men and angels, but we do not have love, uh, we become a noisy gong and a clanging uh, cymbal. If we have the gift of prophecy, which is really important, and, and know uh, all mysteries and all knowledge, and if we have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, it says, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So the love walk prevents uh, our, our effectiveness from being nullified. The love walk energizes and uh, is the compelling uh, signature piece of this whole thing. In fact, two ideas. Jesus said, when, because lawlessness and uh, iniquity and wickedness increases in the end times, most people's love will grow cold. Okay, so that's a thing Jesus said and as a warning, and that's the decline in humanity that is prophesied by the Lord himself. He also said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. So we're at our best when we get this love thing correctly. And the next part of this chapter, I want to read it out loud together, okay? And it's verse 4 through 8, and uh, I'm going to end up with love never fails, uh, never comes to an end. We're going to look at that. That's our, that's our main text tonight. But I wanted to read it in its context because Galatians 5, 6 says, you know, all the bells and whistles, all the do's and don'ts, all the legalism, all the other issues, really, that's not the priority. What really matters is faith working through love. So this is a big deal. So let's get ready to read verse 4 through 8 in the New American Standard. Ready? It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, let's, ready? Read. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now, in this context, chapter 12, 13, and 14, uh, Paul is teaching the Corinthian church about the importance of 
the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment and the amazing, penetrating, awesome signs and wonders uh, that are attesting miraculous things that are to be accompanying the message of Jesus. And he has to almost stop and delve into this main factor so that they don't get their flow sabotaged. How many of you, whatever your flow is, you don't want it to be sabotaged? And uh, we are to flow in the Spirit. We're to, we're to, in fact, covet earnestly spiritual gifts. It says in verse 31 of chapter 12, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I'll, yet I'll show you a still a more excellent way. Uh, so, and and he's, Paul's not saying either or. He's not saying, he's not saying, well, you could either have the gifts operating or you can have the love walk. He's actually saying, you need to walk in both. In fact, it says in chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Okay? So, um, but I want to read something to you about this. It says, love never fails. Um, and it, what it really in the Greek is saying is it never comes to an end. But there are some things that will have an end. And in fact, the gifts of the Spirit... Tongues and interpretation, prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. There will be no more need for that. You won't need the discerning of spirits in after the second coming and after the consummation of the age and the fulfillment of everything. There, there won't be a necessity for discerning of spirits because we will know as we're known. Right now, we're looking through a glass darkly. Paul said that. And he had been born again. He had experienced the new birth. He had experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He was a new creation in Christ. He had one of the most stellar revelations in the Bible. And yet he's saying, um, you know, there's going to be a time when these things will not be present. And, and in fact, I want to talk to you about this tonight a little bit. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Verse 9 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Verse 10, But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Now, there's a, there's a, this is a subject of uh, no small controversy in the body of Christ throughout the last 2,000 years. And I want to touch on this a little bit. So you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I got saved under uh, people that believed that these gifts had not passed away with the apostles. Uh, so I was birthed into the uh, belief that these truths are for today. And I cherish that. And I am not ashamed of that. And I'm... Uh, grateful that God has brought this to me. Now, I, I attended, uh, graduated from Missouri Baptist University, and I took uh, theology classes there and other classes, and, uh, and I graduated there. And, and the head of the theology department, Dr. Andy Chambers, told me to, in one of the classes, he was one of our professors, and he said, look, though I don't operate in these gifts, I would be, it would be not scholarly of me to say these things have passed away. These things are for today, even though I don't operate in them. 
And here's a Baptist man uh, acknowledging and reverencing these truths. And then when uh, we were at, at uh, the, the Presbyterian Church, Bonham, and at the time it was uh, the long-running pastor, Jim Capps, who I think he was, it was either Harvard Divinity School or Yale Divinity School. And he may be watching. Hey, he's in Indiana now. But he, he said, though I don't operate in these gifts, let me tell you about people who do. So there's a lot of credibility to the truths of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've been talking with my future son-in-law, uh, Brian, about the hostility leveled against these truths. And, um, you know, here's how I feel about it. I love the whole body of Christ. And even where we differ in some things, you know, uh, the Bible says the Lord's bondservants should not be quarrelsome. So where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, I, I would fight to defend my family. I would fight, you know, to protect the innocent or, the, you know, somebody that's victimized. Uh, but I'm not going to go into the body of Christ and rail against the, the rest of the church. Uh, because uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's consistent with the, the general call to walk in the love walk. Um, you know, we should be discerning. We should not be cultic. and We need to be on track biblically. But uh, I think we can be respectful of one another and, and loving and honoring of one another. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not watering things down or compromising. But I, I was reading... Pastor Jack Hayford's uh, work that he uh, was the editor, main general editor of this Spirit-Filled Life Bible uh, and uh, read the notes pertaining to verse 10. Verse 10 again says, But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Um, So here's what it says in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible notes. Uh, this refers to the completion of God's purposes after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It refers to the completion of God's purposes after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, just, just give me a moment to read this through. In Romans 8, 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. There's a fulfillment that is yet to come. Some attribute this reference to the conclusion of the canon of scriptures. They're called cessationists, and they say, when the perfect has come, the completion of the Old and New Testament, the gifts will no longer operate. There'll be no more miracles, no more, no more healings or things like that. Some say different things than others. So I don't want to put words in their mouths, but generally a cessationist doesn't believe these gifts are for today. A Pentecostal or a charismatic believer believes that these gifts are still for today. And in fact, here's what this says in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. It's, it says, now some attribute the refer- this reference the com- when the perfect, perfect has come, that's the completion of the canon of scriptures. While the inspired word of God was completed at the end of the first century, its completion did not signal an end to the continuing operation of the very powers it describes. Let me read it to you again. Uh, its completion, the Bible, did not signal an end to the continuing operation of the very powers it describes. Okay? 
Rather, the word instructs us to welcome the Holy Spirit's gifts and ministries in our lives to round out our sufficiency for ministry to a needy world. Through the word preached and the word confirmed. Now, that's a big mouthful. I just read you a whole paragraph. But basically, my view has been and continues to be that the church is to enjoy and actually covet earnestly the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And mature Christians need to study these things for themselves. There are people that are so hostile toward this, and they're very articulate, and I don't agree with their conclusions. I honor and respect and love them, but I don't agree with their conclusions. And I would hope there would be some decorum in the church uh, regarding this, because there, by some estimates, over a quarter of the body of Christ on the planet right now has been impacted by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Since I became a Christian, uh, there is a move of God in this area, and um, I believe God is restoring credibility to this whole subject. It was never without credibility in the first place, but yet the gifts haven't ceased. Uh, John Wesley, here we've got, we've got a, a Wesleyan-trained retired pastor, and um, he was in a, on a mission trip in America, and he came back. He was amongst the Anabaptists, and he was on a boat, and a woman was dying, and she wanted to have communion served, and John Wesley was a, of the clergy of the Church of England, you know, I guess with a collar or whatever. So she wanted to have communion, and uh, she received communion on the boat. And uh, I read this myself in a book I bought in North Wales in a bookstore, it's printed in 1795, leather uh, marble book. It was an amazing book that had S's look like F's. It was old, like old English, and it was hard to read. But I read this, you know, and it, it just had this musty smell. It had been, you know, around for hundreds of years. It was just right after it was printed, right after Wesley died. And almost, you know, within that context. And uh, he, uh, she got healed. She got healed when she received communion and popped up, and there, the Anabaptists were worshiping God. And it, he had, it, it so transformed Wesley's life that, uh, I, you know, I think that would have been the moment where he had a new birth experience. Amazing. He was in ministry uh, before he was saved, you know, and he's trying to be a clergyman because he had practical understanding of the virtue of religion, but he, he needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And he got it. And uh, with signs and wonders following. So <clears throat> books have been written about the ongoing and continual ministry of the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts all the way through the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and all the way up into seasons throughout the last several hundred years. And um, hallelujah. The, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. And Jesus is coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. And no, we don't want anything flaky. No, we don't want anything contrived. We don't want to embrace anything cultic. We don't want false doctrine. Uh, but we also don't want to uh, hold to a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Uh, we are to covet earnestly spiritual gifts. But it's all in this context of love. And um, this is part of why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching. Because I feel like, I feel responsible in the body of Christ to love and honor the whole body of Christ. I've had this since I, before I was married, before I felt called into ministry. It just occurred to me 
the church was a bigger deal than anybody realizes, and that the body of Christ, though in different features and denominations and so forth, um, that all of them deserve to be heard, and uh, everyone deserves to be respected, loved, and honored. Okay? Uh, but yet we need to rightly divide the word. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed. And so if you were taught that these gifts ceased, you, you should study these things. I just welcome you and encourage you to study. Man, um, I've reached this conclusion. And, um, you know, Mark chapter 16, the, the Great Commission, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, to every creature. You know, these signs will follow those who believe. He said, in my name they will cast out demons. Uh, they will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and so forth. And then in verse 20, I love what it, how the, that chapter ends. And they went out everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. They went. As they went, they preached. They went out. They did it. They took action. And while, and while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs, the signs that followed. Hallelujah. So the word preached and the word confirmed. And uh, so these gifts in the King James, charity never faileth. Now, some people would say, well, love never fails. So let's just do lo the love thing is always going to work. And that's not really the application of it. In fact, I was preaching in California, and I was speaking to a man that I had never met before. He came to my meeting, and then he was from a particular group that has a very harsh attitude and he's under a particular teacher who I think is a really a genius teacher but I don't agree with a lot of his conclusions and he got real snippy with me when I said love never fails and he was see that's what pe that's the problem with people they're misquoting scripture and I was wait, wait a minute you don't know me you know it was like give me a minute man I just said what it says in the new American standard the King James says love never failed. Well, the New English Bible says love will never come to an end. And so he, was, he just jumped on correcting me. I thought, okay, you know, you're kind of putting me on the defensive, but I'm cool, so go ahead. Yeah, oh, okay. So, um, uh, but actually, love covers a multitude of sins. So it won't fail to do that. It covers a multitude of sins. And faith works through love, so it won't fail to do that. Buster. So anyway, but, but in this context... I wanted to say I wanted to say that to him, but I was all nicey dice because it was shocking, you know. And I walked away going, "Why did he get so jacked up?" He was just looking to correct my doctrine. Love, and uh, here's what it says in the Moffat translation: "Love never disappears." See, there won't be tongues in heaven. There won't be tongues. We won't be walking around speaking in tongues because there will be no need for it. This tongues is like a mystery language that's like disturbing to the devil. He can't mess with it. And also it does, our mind does it, when we pray in tongues, our spirit prays, but our mind is unfruitful. So it's not something that aids our thinking. And, uh, you know, the people that are dismissive of it and don't believe it's biblical, uh, or worse yet, would attribute it to a, a, a devil, uh, maybe need to reread the scriptures. But for sure, they will eventually pass away when the perfect comes. When will the perfect come? At the consummation of the end of the age, when Jesus has come back, new heavens and a new earth, and everything is all uh, in that, that age to come. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet. The perfect hasn't come yet. I, I venerate and honor the word of God. I read it, I read it all the time. 
I study, I love its pages. I meditate on the word. I love the word. And I know it's, it's, it's pure and it's healthy and God birthed it. It's all inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. We'd be equipped and, and efficient for every good work. Uh, and I love it, but the gifts haven't passed away. The gifts are for today. And we're to covet earnestly spiritual gifts. Now think how I feel about the Presbyterian brother, the Baptist brother, that realize what I'm about, and they say, though we don't operate in these things, we, are, we can't dismiss them. And th- that this was their conclusion from their studies. And one said to me, I would be, I would be remiss as a, Bible, as a scholar of the Bible and to dismiss this and say it's all gone away. It, he says, even though I don't operate in these things, uh, I, uh, uh, I do believe they're for today. Well, so but let's take it a step further and let's covet earnestly spiritual gifts and let's believe for an infilling of the Holy Spirit and equipping so we can have uh, uh, these accompanying signs and wonders uh, that bring honor to the Lord and liberation to a hurting world. Right? The Connie Bear translation. Connie Bear. British guy. Love shall never pass away. Say it. Love shall never So when we get to heaven, there's going to be so much love. Heaven is going to have so much value, so much cooperation, so much patience, kindness, so much tolerance, zero grudge. Zero unforgiveness. It's going to be sweet. We're not there yet. Who in here is perfected in the love walk? None of us. None of us. None of us. Um, we've got to work at it. We've got to, it's something we've got to, and we'll get challenged on it, and we've got to just work through it. Everybody say, I intend to walk in love. So, The word in Greek for fail, love never fails, is ekpipto, ekpipto. And it means to drop away or be driven out. Love will never drop away or be driven out. Um, tongues will cease. Pro, uh, words of knowledge will cease. Uh, knowledge will not cease. It meant words of the word of knowledge. Because the, the knowing him, that's what eternal life is, Right? So we've got to judge Scripture with Scripture, and we've got, to, we've got to really fortify ourselves so we're not tossed to and fro by false doctrine. Cessationists believe the perfect is the Bible complete and canonized. Uh, the Spirit-filled believer believes the perfect is a reference to the second coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of the age. Is that, do you understand that? Those are the doctrinal distinctives that I think uh, we need to just kind of just settle in on it. This is some good teaching. And I think I'm almost done because I see musicians coming to get ready. And uh, so everybody say, I'm walking the love walk. Now we're going to finish with 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And we're going to read it out loud together. And we're going to look at this because um, let's just commit to this. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Read. Beloved, let us love one another, 
For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. See, the love, this, and we'll read verse 9, for, and we'll, I'll just read it to you. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. Isn't that the essence of what the whole Jesus message is all about? It's a God so loved the world, right? Well, then we've got to go and we've got to mirror that, got to carry that. I very much, and I can speak on behalf of my wife as well, very much want to model that as a standard in this environment. And we're to love one another. Not artificial, but sincere, unfeigned love. And real, real love, be real about it. I want this to be a interception point for hurting and broken people in this next move of the Holy Spirit that's about to occur on the earth. So God is meticulously going through this house and getting us ready. God's working on me, cutting away dead branches so that I would be uh, focused and be fruitful. And he's working on us as individuals. And uh, so this is how I want to end. I just want to encourage you to uh, really get a hold of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, or 13, verse 4 through 8, and put God in there. God is patient. God is kind. God doesn't get jealous. God is not arrogant. God does not get, you know, taken into account as suffered wrong. And then put your name in it and say that I am patient. I am kind. And meditate on that. And build, build up your faith in it. it. It'll help you out. How many of you have ever done that? It's, I, I tell you, make a habit of it. It, it. Live in these verses. Commit these verses into your spirit where it gets so etched in you that you even re, and you can even remember it. 